You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. So we are working on the heat situation. I literally think the heat was on, uh, which is it's a bad plan. You know it's hot when my wife uh, stops in the middle of worship and goes and takes her boots off. Um, she just got rid of those things. Yeah, I saw you. Um, yeah, so um, we've been talking about Disciple Now a little bit, and I think the reason there's probably 175 of you in the room is because you're here for that D-Now meeting. Man, we should have D-Now meetings every week that you have to come to. Um, I'm excited that you guys are here, uh, but I'm way more excited about this upcoming weekend. Uh, I have huge hopes for what God's going to do in your life this coming weekend, if you're going to be a part of Disciple Now. Um, God can do huge things in our life any time that we let him, but there's something significant about uh, coming together with a group of believers, um, or unbelievers, just a group of people with a common purpose. And that purpose this coming weekend is going to be for you to come in direct contact with the God of the universe, the God who spoke and planets came into existence. That God wants to meet with you right now and every day of your life, but I think is going to do something significant in Disciple Now weekend. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be a part of that. As we look forward to that, what, I, what, I, um, what I'm hoping that tonight that we can make some sense out of the mess that maybe is your life and is your relationship with God. We can make some sense out of that and, and go ahead and start helping you figure out how to prepare yourself for what's coming in just a couple of days. Now, the, that, that whole hope lines up perfectly with where we are in the, in the book of Luke. We're walking through the whole book of Luke together. We're in Luke chapter 3 tonight. So if you've got a Bible, if you don't, there's some on the windowsills, but... If you, uh, if you got your Bible, Luke chapter 3 is where we're going to be, um, beginning in verse 3. Um, and Rachel, I sound like a weirdo in my head right now. If you could, if you could, well, I, I, I do it up here. So if you could, if you could just like make the sound sound better behind the speakers just for me personally. I'd really appreciate that. Um, Luke chapter 3 is where we're going to be, and it's, it's the story of John the Baptist. Before Christmas, if you remember, if you were here, um, we, we walked through the story of a guy named Zechariah. Remember this guy? He was the one who um, an angel came and told him that he was going to have a boy named John, and he didn't believe this angel, and so he ended up being uh, mute until his kid was born, this, that story, remember? Um, this is that kid. He's grown up and he's begun his ministry and we're going to see what exactly his message for people was. And in his message, I hope that you're going to get a message that you can have something to work on and work towards uh, as we head through this, head into the rest of this week. So beginning in verse three, it says, and John the Baptist, he, he, John the Baptist went into all that region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So he was calling people to repent. And there was this baptism that's different than our baptism where it, it wasn't like there was, there's a savior yet. There's no, Jesus hadn't come and died yet. So they weren't Christians. And so he was basically baptizing people as a commitment that they were going to stop living in sin and start living in a, a life towards God. It was a commitment to repent, to turn from their sin and, and move forward. So he's proclaiming this thing. And it says, um, his message was, was verse four, that as it's written in the book of the word of Isaiah, the prophet, that the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. 
That was John the Baptist's message, to prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. That's what he was calling people to do. He said, look, you got to prepare the way of the Lord. The the Savior of the world is coming, and I'm I'm like the the lineman out front trying to make a hole. Like, I'm, I'm coming before trying to help clear the way in your life so that when Christ comes, when the Messiah comes, we'll have a straight path towards your heart. I remember being a high school student, and, and I was 16 back when I drove that Jeep. I, I still drive the Jeep sometimes around here, and it's a big old mess, right? And it's, it's big, and it doesn't have, didn't have any brakes then, doesn't have any brakes now. So I didn't usually drive it in the rain because I kept sliding through fences and stuff. Took out the same fence twice in two days. Felt real bad about it. Anyway, so I'm driving down this, this street at night, kind of in a storm. A storm kind of came up, and, um, and I'm out in the rain in the Jeep, which is always scary. And, and so I, I came around this corner, remember this, like it was yesterday, I came around this corner in the rain, and it was kind of a dark road, no street lights, sort of like, like our two-lane roads out here. And, and as I came around this corner, my headlights landed on something that wasn't road, and it was huge. And immediately I recognized it as a, as a tree, like a full-out, honest-to-goodness tree is laying across the street, and I'm going... Well, the Jeep only goes like 60, so I'm going like 50 in the rain, and there's a tree just right there. And so I, I stood on the brakes, like two feet on the brakes, and, and it, it's like squirreling around and sliding places and squeaking and hollering, and it's just making a big old mess. And I came to, came to stop, like not on the tree, but just shy of it. Like I stopped right in front of this tree. I, I thought that my path was clear. I'm, I'm trucking along just like everything's fine. And the next thing I know, everything is a mess. Everything's crazy. Cars, stop stopping, cars are stopping everywhere and kind of lining up because this tree has fallen across me. The path is no longer clear. Sometimes I think, and, and maybe you've had a moment like this, maybe you've had a, a year like this or a couple of years where, where at some point you, you, the path between you and God was clear. Like you, you were walking towards God and you felt like there was, there was something there, there was a real relationship developing. And then at some point, something came crashing in to your life across the, this path between you and God and it's blocked your path. And you came screeching to a halt spiritually. Have you had a moment like that? Have you had a thousand moments like that? When something, something happened and something got in the way, and those things that get in the way, y'all, that's always sin. That's always sin. See, God has this, this, this way of, of he comes for us. God is a God who loves us perfectly. We've been singing about that, that Jesus came for us, wants to have a relationship with you, that he is for you. He is coming for you. He has come for you. He is, doesn't give up on you despite how crazy things get. He's always coming for you. And then our job is to, is to be on the other side of that, to come back towards him, to follow along with him. And the thing that gets in the way as God comes for us and we come for him, the thing that gets in the way is always sin. I know in my life, I've, I've got my stuff. I've got my sin. You don't know mine. I don't necessarily know yours, but I can take a good guess at it. But like, I've been around teenagers a long time. I know the stuff that you deal with and I know that it weighs on you. I know that it shuts you down spiritually. I know that sometimes you're not really sure how to get over or around or through it. And so what happens, breaks my heart, what happens with teenagers a lot of times as ninth or 10th graders, you slam into something that shuts your relationship with God down and you just sit there staring at the tree. I don't know what to do about that. I guess we'll just sit here. You've been sitting for a while. 
John the Baptist came and came to people like us who had sin in their life, sin between this path that they were on between them and God, and that sin was cluttering and blocking this pathway between them and God. And he came and, and, and begged them to prepare the way of the Lord to make his paths straight, to clear the way. If tonight you know that, that man, that's you, that there's stuff that's impeding this pathway between you and God, um, I just want to ask you as we, as we get started in this passage, uh, are you going to do anything about it? Or are you just going to keep sitting there looking at the tree? Are, are you, are you, do you want to do anything about it? Are you tired of that stuff getting in the way? Are you tired of remembering a relationship with God? Do you want to live one? In verse 8, John um, is, is speaking to these people, and he's harsh, man. He's like just going straight up. He was not a kind, uh, gentle little soul. Uh, calls him a brood of vipers in verse 7. And uh, in verse 8, he, he, he commands them. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, that's kind of a weird, like, churchy kind of phrase, and that may not mean a lot to you right now. So I really want to help you get this because I, I think this is exactly where most of us are. It says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So think about this. Um, this is the difference between saying you're sorry and then doing something about it. Has anybody ever apologized to you for something and then done nothing about it? I, that drives me absolutely crazy. Like if, if, you have a, if you had a boyfriend or girlfriend who's just terrible to you and just like cuts you down and makes fun of you to people and is always hugging on somebody else, right? And then you bring that up. And you're like, what are you what are you doing? You're kind of awful, right? And they're like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. That's, you know, that's, that's not me. I, I just had a, you know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. And then, like, the next day, they still are doing the same thing. What do you do? You walk. Like, you should walk. Some of you are silly and you just don't. But like that, that's it, man. Like if, if you're call, I mean, if you're in a daily relationship with somebody and, and they're apologizing for stuff over and over again and they never change, they never do anything about it, they just keep being a huge jerk, then you walk because that's 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 obvious, right? If they if they apologize, say that this is not that this isn't gonna be the way it is going forward, and it always is, that says something. If you have a friendship, right? You've got a friendship with somebody, and, and you guys are supposed to be besties like the resties or whatever. Like, you're, you're supposed to be close. And then something happens. You've had these friendships, right, where you're super close, and then something kind of got weird, and all of a sudden you kind of start getting left out of stuff. And then some of your secrets that you told like a year ago to your, only your best friend, nobody knows but them, that kind of stuff starts kind of like making its way around. You're like, hey, uh, I didn't tell anybody else that. Did you, did you tell somebody what I said? Like, I just slipped out. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I, I didn't mean for that to come out. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then like the next week, something else slips out. Is that your best friend anymore? No. Like you, a lot of you live through that, right? And so there's, if there's an apology and there's no fruit that nothing actually changes, then they're just liars, right? So what he says is bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He said, look, I, a lot of you have wanted to change. A lot of you have claimed change. I think a lot of time as Christians, as, as if you've been around church for a while, you've wanted to see something different. Maybe you've even talked with God about it. You said that, God, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know why this is a part of my life. I don't know why I keep going back to this. I don't know why this sin is a part of who I am. But then the next opportunity to be a part of that, you still are. What does that say? 
If you're not trying to rip yourself away from that, if you're not fighting against that sin and instead you just keep enjoying it, what does that, what does that say? See, it's, it's one thing, I think, to, to feel guilty about something before God. It's, it's one thing to come into greenhouse and I, I say the right phrase or something, and the Holy Spirit peaks your heart a little bit, and you feel bad about something, but then you go out and the exact same thing happens the next week. I don't know if that, that doesn't carry a lot of water. And basically what, what John the Baptist was saying to the people is like, look, you've got to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you actually want to see something change, if you want to make a clear path, if you want to prepare the way for the Lord to do something in your life, you actually have to do something. We can't just sit back and say, yeah, I would love to have this kind of relationship with God. I'd love to, I'd love to not just remember my relationship with God, but live in it. You, we can't just claim repentance. We can't just come in a greenhouse and sing the, 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 the songs that somebody else wrote for us and think that's enough and our lives don't change. God's not interested in our empty words. He's not, in, he's not interested in our feeling of guilt. He's, a, he's interested in your response. He's interested in your life changing. So if, you, if you've been living in a way where at some point you came smack uh, in, uh, up against something huge, some sin area or a bunch of sin in your life that's shut down your relationship with God and you haven't moved forward in forever, it's not enough to just wish that away. We actually, literally have to do something about it. And it starts with a, with, a, with a commitment to repentance. It starts with trying, like saying that you're going to do it, but you actually have to follow it up. Some of you have said those same prayers over and over again. You've made commitments about repentance. You've prayed about some stuff, and you've never actually had the guts to follow through. He says, bear fruit in keeping with Repentance. So the, the crowds are hearing this and they're, they're feeling convicted. They, they want to have this relationship with God and they're trying to move toward him. And, and then John's like, do something. And then the obvious question is, then what do I do, right? John's telling them, you've got to do something. You've got to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so the obvious question is, what do we do? So that's what they ask in verse 10. Look at verse 10, it says, and the crowds asked him, what should we do? These crowds of people just keep coming and their continual response is, John, tell us what to do. Is, I'm so, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to do something here. I'm supposed to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Then what exactly do I do? Look at what he does. Verses 11 through 14, different groups come, and, he, and each group gets a different answer. So at the beginning, it's kind of general. It says in verse 11, whoever has two tunics, right, it's a coat, is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. In verse 12, he's got some tax collectors. They came, and he told them, um, they ask the same question, what should we do? Verse 13, collect no more than you're authorized to do. 14, some soldiers come and he told them, don't extort money from anybody by threats or false accusations and be content with your wages. None of that applies to you, does it? You don't have one tunic. You don't know what a tunic is, right? You don't collect taxes from anybody and you're not a soldier. So but I don't think we're quite off the hook here. So the principle is that every single group that came by got something specific pointed out in their life. So the first group gets pointed out their greed and their selfishness. Where they have and they don't give, there is no generosity because it's overwhelmed with their selfishness. The second group comes and their, their lack of integrity is, is, is pointed out. 
The third group comes and their, their harshness, their, their extortion, right? Their, their, their thing is pointed out. If a high school student had walked up to John and there was another verse that said, and then a sophomore boy walked up, right? What would John say? Then a junior girl walked up and John said, what would he say? If, if it was you, and you came up to John and you're like, hey, so um, I, I really do want to clear this path. I, I really do want God to, to I really want to enjoy my relationship with God again. And I, I, there's probably something in the way there. So, so what do I need to do? He would point at whatever that thing is, whatever that tree laid in the middle of the street is for you. He would point at your thing. And he would simply say, just deal with that. Sin has a way of building up walls between us and God. And that the wall between you and God is built brick by brick, brick by, by your sin. And mine's built by my sin. And then when we come before God, all we see is wall. And sometimes we have to just dismantle some sin. We have to try to move past it. We have to repent, turn away from our stuff, and turn back toward Sin has a way of clouding our heart and mind and obscuring our view of our God. And he feels so distant through the fog of our sin. He obscures, it obscures our view of him. I remember um, me and my buddy Grant, we were uh, out in the woods because we were out in the woods a lot. And um, it was kind of getting late. And so we thought we'd take a shortcut. Maybe y'all ever take shortcuts? Don't. It doesn't work. All right. And so we're out in the woods and we're going to take a shortcut because we're smart and we're, you know, 16 year old boys. So we clearly know our way through the woods like we're trackers or something. And um, I'm not a tracker, P.S. And, uh, and so it's kind of getting late. And, we're, and so we think the road is over here. And so instead of just continuing down this long hiking trail that we're tired of walking on because hiking is not really that fun if we're being honest. So we, we take a left and we just start walking straight through the woods. No path. We're like, I think the road's that way. I'm just going to walk that way. I'm going to just, I'm just going to wing it, all right? And so we start walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we're, you know, there's no path. We're like stepping over stuff and stepping in holes and all that whole, whatever. And then, and then um, it starts to not necessarily just be late in the day. It's dusk, right? And I start freaking out a little bit because I haven't found the road yet, and I was pretty sure it was only a quarter mile over there. I've walked uh, much further than a quarter of a mile, and I've not found a road yet. And now I don't really know what the path was either because I'm, you know, I've, I'm a moron who walked off in the woods by myself with my buddy Grant. And, and, so, um, and, and so it's getting to be nighttime, and I'm thinking in my head, you can't say this to your friend who's with you, but I'm, I'm thinking in my head, like, we're going to end up sleeping in the woods. We're going to be those people who can't get found because they're like 500 yards from a road, and we just can't find it because we're just not smart, right? We're those people. And so, and so uh, we, it gets darker and darker, and I'm just out in the woods walking around. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I'm kind of freaking out, but you've got to act you gotta act tough for your friend. And then, and then the, the most wonderful thing happened. It got dark. Like pitch black dark. It was the best thing that could have happened. Because when it was light, all I could see was woods all around me. There's spring, there's leaves and stuff. I can't see through the trees. I can't see anything. There's all this stuff around me obscuring my view of anything that could possibly be going on around me. But once it was nighttime, once it was nighttime, I, I could see a light that I couldn't have seen. I couldn't see in the daytime. And everything else around me, all the trees, all the leaves, everything else went dark. And all I could see was this little speck of light. It was a light on a house. And I knew exactly where to go. Once, once everything else in front of me, everything else I was surrounding me went dark, all of the stuff that was obscuring my view went black, I could focus on the light. 
And I just simply followed that. Some of you are so surrounded by all of the sin in your life that you can't see a path forward toward God. Now, when you think about, man, is it possible for you to have just a beautiful, just solid relationship with God, the kind of relationship with God that he created for you to have? When you just imagine, is that possible? The, the, The whispered answer in your heart is no. You don't even think it's possible because of the mountain of sin around you. Jesus tells us that he came into our world to be the light of the world. And the light would penetrate the darkness. There's a way forward here, students. There's a way forward past all of your stuff. And it's not focusing on individual little sins and trying to fix this little behavior and that big behavior and never go to that person's house again and don't talk to her again and break up with that guy. You should break up with that guy. But there's, there's this, this simple path forward, which is just simply focusing on the light and pursuing it. Your God hasn't given up on you. He's been coming for you the entire time. No matter how far you've been, he hasn't moved away. He hasn't backed out. He's been trying to get to you through all this immensity of your sin. And tonight, what I'm asking you to do is to repent and actually start following through. Repenting doesn't mean um, fixing everything. God's never asked you to fix anything. Repenting doesn't mean you go and and just fix everything on your own. Repenting means you just stop. Where you've been going into all these behaviors, you've been going into all these things, you just stop and you just turn around and begin following Jesus. Doesn't that make it sound a lot more simple? Doesn't it make it sound a lot more simple if if you're trying to extricate yourself from all these relationships and all these things and and somehow fix all these behaviors? It's It's not about stopping sin. It's about following Jesus. So tonight, the question is this. Do you want a clear path forward? Do you want to prepare the way for the Lord? Do you want to make a straight path between you and Jesus once again? Then my my plea is for you to stop going the direction you've been going, to turn around and just pursue the light. It kind of is that simple. See, the, the, the beautiful thing about the gospel, the beautiful thing about being a Christian, is that God never once asked you to be perfect. He asked you to love him. He asked you to pursue him. He died on the cross to pay for all your sin. He's dealt with that. And all that's left for you to do is chase after him. I hope that as we head into this weekend, that there's something inside of you that's ready to start trying to to, to Quit moving the direction you're going and start turning your heart and mind toward Jesus. So I, what I want to do, I just want to give you a minute just to try to begin that. Um, and the way that I'm going to challenge you to do that is in prayer. So I, this is, you're going to feel a little weird. I don't feel weird about it, so we're going to do it anyway, all right? And so what we're going to do, just on your own, like if you can, if you can not touch somebody, just slide up, like scoot around a little bit where you're just not touching somebody because you've been touching them long enough. So just stop. All right, so get somewhere where you're not touching anybody. And if you feel weird about this or not, I'm, I mean, I, I hope you don't. Like, if you're not a Christian in the room, um, what I'm going to ask you to do is talk to a guy that you don't believe in, and I understand that. And, and so I just want you to uh, just hang on a minute, all right? I, I, I get it. But if you are a Christian in the room, no matter how far you've, you've been flung by, by sin in your life, um, I'm, I'm talking with you, all right? 
And so if, if that's you, I just, I just want you to, to get into a spirit of prayer. Like if, if you want to bow your head and close your eyes, if you want to do that, if you feel too weird to close your eyes and just stare at the floor, I don't care. Um, whatever it is you need to do. Uh, I just want you to be in a position of prayer. Now, I don't want you touching anybody. I don't want you talking to anybody. I want you to leave everybody alone, even if you think this is the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Just leave them alone. So I was just assume a posture of prayer. Don't look at me. Look at the ground. Close your eyes. Whatever makes you happy. And if, if, if there's something inside of you that um, regrets sin, is tired of sin and wants a path forward, I just want you to whisper a prayer in your heart that's just this, I'm, I'm sorry. I want you to start with that. And then usually for me, once I can get that phrase out, um, the rest of the conversation flows a little bit more easily. So if you haven't, if you haven't talked to your, to your Savior in a year, if you can eke out, I'm sorry, do that and then see what comes next. I'm going to give you two or three minutes by yourself. Um, if Aaron's still up there, if you can play Spotify, the Greenhouse Small Group playlist, something, so it's not quite so weird for us, that'd be good. If you have hopes for God to do something significant in your life this weekend, talk to him about that. If you have hopes that God would do something significant in the life of somebody else, Talk to him about that. If you're not sure how to um, proceed, if you're not sure how, uh, what the path forward would look like, then just ask God to show you that, to lead you in the way you should go.
Father, help us um, to follow through on the words that we say to you. Help us to follow through on the commitments that we make. Help us to actually repent, not to talk about it. And Father, um, we beg for you to help us find a path forward, a straight path for you to do what you want to do in our lives. That's my prayer for each one of our students tonight, going into this weekend and far beyond that, that we will be people who repent of our sin, turn and walk towards you. Help us to follow through. So your sons, I pray. Amen. You're heading to your small groups.